0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. what you what you hearing. Listen, what you hearing. Listen, That's what you hearing. Listen. Hearin'. Listen. Hearin'. Listen. Welcome Next back no. to week it six. To it's
1: time for a beer. Campbell Brown's up this week. A colourful character, but a caring man, I must say. Thanks very much to everyone who has listened, rated and reviewed. They don't really do much, I don't think. I don't know why it's even there, the review stuff, but if you can be bothered reviewing, please just give it five stars and write I'm a legend. If you do, I'll buy you a beer when I see you around town. Of course, the footy's coming back to Perth. What an opportunity to knock a couple back. Let's quickly thank our sponsors. Very important, without them, we wouldn't be here today. Oh, we had a couple to piss off. Yeah, we got too many at the moment, so we're all pretty good on that front. Anyway, here's Brownie. Hey, Mel, I'm trying to book your son in for a podcast. Have you got his number?
0: No, I haven't. I and mean, can you go and get fucked and get out of my life and out of my property and ring up and make a time like every other c- does that's got any manners? Okay? All good, Mel. I'll email.
1: Oh, Campbell Jackson! He's put Jackson down! Over 200 games played, All Australian 2007, Premiership winner 2008, and a colourful past. This is Campbell Brown. Multiple, multiple people have said that the brown dog isn't a uh, – he'd be a mad beer drinker, but you're not. It used to be the Bacardi Breezes, didn't it? Or Desi Driver.
0: Yeah, Bacardi Breezes, uh, UDLs, Maduri, <laughs> Maduri Illusions. Yep. Mate, anything that was sweet, not not really beer.
1: I, I can't drink that stuff, but that, that's got a lot of sugar in it, and your rig was always phenomenal. Like, you used to have that shirt off, minus the hair. You used to have a shitload of hair on you, which was a bit disturbing, but – how can the rig hold up with that sugar going in?
0: Yeah, good question. Mate, I didn't have a hair on my body till I was about 23. Yeah. If you go back and look at some of those men for all seasons sort of things, there's an 18, 19, 20-year-old, <laughs> no hair, and then all of a sudden I turned into Wolverine. Mate. I'm not sure what's happened. It, didn't, it started growing and never stopped on my back.
1: It was a um, – you could tell when you were about to go away for a summer holiday because you used to get the wax job done. And for two weeks, you used to look pimply, riddled, disgusting, <laughs> fucking rank. Like
0: those ingrowns. Oh. Yeah, you know, um, I, I had to just stop getting a back wax with the ingrowns. You can't reach them. No. I had to, maybe you had to buy those things to, to scrub your back.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, it, it's, it's horrible yeah, now. No
0: this is this interesting start to a, a podcast. I've never really – Delve too deeply into the uh, the art of the
1: backwax. The backwax. Yeah, it, didn't, it didn't work too well for you, dog. Now, I have got you on. I remember, uh, I will talk about your career, 205 games. Uh, over 100 goals surprised me. I thought you would have been about the 30 to 35 marks. Over 100 goals. All Australian 2007 as a centre-half back at a, about 180 centimetres. It's incredible. But also the Kabardi, 2016 captain.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I'd never heard of kabaddi I ex. don't think anyone has. Um, I got a call. Oh, I would have been... Towards the end of September in 2016, and um, a guy called Bruce Cater, who was a player manager for Dalla Badova and uh, Bogart and, and some of the big NBA guys, mm. had got my number off a, a close friend, Lukey e. Tunnicliffe. And um, he rang me out of the blue and basically said, Oh, Campbell, you don't know me, but I'm putting together the Australian Kabaddi side to go to India and play a Kabaddi World Cup. Would you like to, to play? And, um, well, the first thing I said was, you know, what the hell is kabaddi? He tried to explain it. It was really weird. Anyway, um, I said, oh, mate, when do we go? And he says, uh, we leave next week. <laughs> so, like the first week of October. I said, oh, it's good. It's good to see that you're well prepared and, and uh, <laughs> you've got a you know, team together. We're a week out. He rings me two days later and I said, look, um, how would you like to be the captain of the Australian kabaddi side? And all of a sudden, you know, the chest puffs out of Yes, absolutely. As a kid, we always dreamed of of representing our country, maybe mm. in the baggy green or whatever it was. Mm. So I said, oh, mate, that'd be an absolute honour. Um, was I voted in by my peers? <laughs> he said, oh, no, you, you weren't. I said, well, has it been ratified by the Australian Kabaddi Federation? He says, oh, no, it hasn't either. just um, the first bloke that's agreed to come. <laughs> Can you help me put the team together? <laughs> so with that, uh, I rang anyone I could think of that um, that might want to come over to India mm. and um, you know, Brock McLean, Brad Sewell, anyone that yeah. has just recently retired and, and might want to come. And I was sort of selling it as, "Oh, boys, uh, yeah, we're going to be going over to play Kabadi, but it'll be like a footy trip, you know."
1: Yeah, of course. I,
0: I didn't know that a Metabad, a Metabad, where we played. Yeah. Is a dry state. No way. So is actually illegal. No <laughs> bars, no clubs. Um, yep. They confiscated our duty free on arrival. Um, but Schneider and uh, Adam Snyder and, and Stevie Mill came. We put a team together, and um, and played in that kabadi world cup. And um, if an AFL grand final has four and a half five million viewers,
1: yeah.
0: Our night we played India, who were the reigning Kabaddi champions, <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously on their home deck. 180 million people Jeez. shooting on star sports. Crazy. To watch uh, the Australian team who, <laughs> led by me, didn't know the rules and know what <laughs> we were doing.
1: So Kabaddi is, for those that don't know, it's a, it's the Indian version of British Bulldog. But it's is it their second um, biggest sport in India behind obviously cricket?
0: Yeah, it is. Um, obviously cricket's massive. And Tendulkar and, you know, MS Dhoni and all that are gods. Mm-hmm. But the, the Indian... Kabadi team, especially the captain, he couldn't walk outside down the street without police escort and everything. And yeah. um, It was pretty funny for that. We were over there for 17 days. We played five games. India uh, smashed us. England beat us. We, our third game, we beat Argentina, which was a pretty big moment for Australian sport. It was <laughs> um, our country's first ever Kabadi victory. Yeah, Bangladesh tore us a new one and um, South Korea smacked us up. So um, for the 17 days we were over there, police escorts everywhere. We went, Being the uh, the Australian captain, I couldn't leave the hotel without <laughs> three or four police. Like was, you felt like you felt like you were a bit of a rock star.
1: The um, now mate, you, you you drafted pick 32, went to Scotch College, which I don't think when I think about it, a softer school. <laughs> no, fuck, it's probably the softest school I've ever been to. But, no, mate, Scotch Ripping School, were you a gun footballer as a kid? I mean, you were obviously known as Brownie's boy for growing up as a kid. Were you a star? pick 32s, obviously, uh, back in the second round or something, so you obviously had talent. How did, how did you go going through school?
0: Oh, mate, I was no star. I was a, a very good junior at 10, 11, and 12 years of age, Yeah, maybe 13. But that's when you're, you know, just a young kid. Then all of a sudden – maturity sort of kicks in and, and I was a late maturer. So 14, 15, 16, even 17 years of age, you've got guys that are, are built like men, hair under their arms and growing stubble and things like that um, at that sort of age. And and my footy sort of went backwards a bit because I just couldn't compete with mm. some of those more mature guys. Had to work pretty hard on my game because I, uh, I had some deficiencies, you know, as we all do as, as youngsters, kicking wasn't a strong point of mine. Um, and there was a, a perception that I lacked pace, little yep. leg speed. So that was the sort of the feedback I got coming through the, the ranks. I got cut from the under, uh, I did make down to 15 Oakley Chargers squad of 50 or whatever that mm-hmm. is. Made it in the under 16s. Got cut from the Vic Metro under 16 state championship because I was too small and too slow. Mm-hmm. Um, had to work pretty hard in that sort of two year gap between um, 16s and under-18s and and, the important draft year. So I worked on my speed, you know, worked on my decision-making and things like that. And I had a a pretty good top-age year. My carnival was good. I played on Ashley Sampy against West Australia, uh, one of the Burgoyne cousins against South Australia, and then Gary Abbott Jr. in the Vic Country, Vic Metro Championship game, which was before Hawthorne Richmond. Yep. Did a good job on that, and f- probably from that carnival, um, a few recruiters took note. Yeah, but mate, I had like four or five clubs interested. Probably three genuine. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that was it. It's not like there was you know fifteen or sixteen clubs pretty keen. But Hawthorne were one of them. Brisbane was another, mm-hmm. and um, and Essendon um, was a was a club that was pretty keen as well. So Hawthorne, initially were going to take me pick forty eight. They got a bit of a sniff that Essendon might uh, might use an earlier pick to, to get me and uh, and they decided Essendon. Um, that they would take me. Yeah, You wouldn't have gone. You
1: wouldn't have gone.
0: But at that stage, I didn't hate Essendon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was only indoctrinated in me once <laughs> I got to Hawthorne. So Kevin Sheedy was a very good friend of my old man. Yeah. And quite often, you know, I, for as long as I can remember, Dr. Bruce Reed yeah, of course. the Essendon Club doctor, Sheeds, they just rock up you know, on a Tuesday, Wednesday night after training and sit around the kitchen table, have a few glasses of bread. And, and Sheeds always took a, um, a really close interest in my footy. Yeah. So I think that's probably why they might have been interested. Mm-hmm. But Johnny Turnbull was a Hawthorne guy. Um, he didn't want to risk me maybe not being there for pick 47. Uh, they had 36 as well, but... They pulled the trigger on me, picked 32, which was far earlier than I, I probably should have gone in the draft. Yeah, But they did get Sammy Mitchell with pick 36. So I reckon they uh, – you, you, you shaped yeah, the they, footy they, club.
1: They well. <laughs> the um, Now, I will – because I'll end up taking the piss out of you um, later on during this podcast. And I usually start – Quite soft. I, I like to, you know, massage you first and really lure you into a yeah, false, man, that's
0: fine. false sense of security, you're
1: like, uh, and then I'll, I'll whack you over the back of the head when you're not watching. But when you said you worked hard, now I'll take this as a compliment. You worked really hard, didn't you, as a kid? And I know you sort of said you worked hard in your deficiencies, but you hired a, a Bab- Babicek, the running coach. Is that right? You hired him in year eleven and twelve or whatever to work on your speed. So you actually, a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm working on my kicking," so they go kick a ball fifty times or whatever. But you dead set took your deficiency seriously and paid the price virtually by hiring a coach to, to speed you up.
0: Uh, yeah, you know that's right. From the from the minute I got told uh, by David Dixon, the under sixteen Vic Metro coach, um, that night out at uh, Victoria Park. That I was too small and too slow. Obviously, you know you're pretty you're pretty devastated. All I ever wanted to do as a as a young fella, growing up, was play mm. AFL footy. I loved it. I lived and breathed it, and I would have done anything to do it. So, rather than sulk and get upset and get pissed off at Bob to me mate, well, you can't do anything about being too small because that's just your your makeup at the moment. But yeah. um, you can do something about being too slow. So, we spoke to a few people, and Croft worked very very closely with. Odin Babacek, um, sort of with his running technique and everything like that, leading into him winning the 1999 Brownlow medal. And Ken Judge was the guy that put us on to Babba. Yep. And basically from the week after I got cut from the under-16 states team until I was drafted, <clears throat> so that two over two years, yep. every single Tuesday um, I went down to Either Glenfrey Oval or an oval around Hawthorne or somewhere, mm. and me and Baba worked on on my speed and the technique around running and understanding your mechanics and and doing all that sort of stuff, butt kicks and yeah. hops and bounds and all that sort of stuff. And he um he would always say to me, and I never I never knew if it was him just trying to fill me with confidence. Yeah, but he would always say, "No nah, mate, you've got the the makings to be a really quick and explosive player," but. At that age, we hadn't got into squats and deadlifts and all that power yeah. stuff yet. Yeah. So um, he 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 saw it. He just needed to tap into my technique a little bit, and yeah. um, and then yeah, once I got into an AFL club and got stronger, you know, from the waist down, it's fair to say that my speed was never an issue because uh, <laughs> I was the quickest at the club over twenty. Yeah, you had Cyril. You had Cyril. I was about to. You didn't have to just tell by me. Point zero one.
1: I was going to ask. I was going to ask you whether you had Cyril, mate. That, and I know that um, when you know when you said that you, you can't fix your, your makeup and that sort of stuff, I was told I was far too skinny. Geez, I'd kill for someone to tell me that right now. I'm far too skinny, but <laughs> I'm sitting here now. Yeah,
0: I reckon you'd have to pay them to say that, mate. At the moment, what are you <sighs> 104?
1: I, I am, I've started doing those man shakes. So um, you know that their slogan is uh, lose the beer gut without losing the beers. Well, I don't know how many beers I'm meant to stop having, but it hadn't helped. But I don't think I meant to be having fifteen a night either. So I've I sort of take that myself. But um, Brownie, well, you've been drafted to to the mighty Hawk. What were you, what were your thoughts on Hawthorne uh, pre Alistair Clarkson when you reflect on it now? And then what was it like when uh, when the big madman rolled on or a small madman rolled in? Because it was part and parcel from what I I gather and heard. You know, it was obviously a good family club and that sort of stuff, but. I mean, it got tipped upside down pretty quick, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it did. Um, it was a really interesting time at Hawthorne. So I got there, obviously, at the end of 2001. The Hawks had only just lost the preliminary final to Essendon yep. by under a kick. It's that famous game that Trent Crowe wheeled around from sixteen, and hit the post. That's right. And they, if they'd gone through for a goal, Hawthorne probably win and, and go through to a grand final. So the feeling internally and externally around you know, the place was – the Hawks weren't too far away from, you know, winning a premiership or being a genuine contender. Your first year at a footy club, you're just happy to be there, surround yourself in the place. I, I lived in Hawthorne, so um, it was just down the road for me, Glenfrey Oval, so it was perfect. You start to, you just want to fit in and and get a game. But I started in the Box Hill twos, the twenty twos, been in Box Hill. So I was, yeah, the twos, twos. But I was the only AFL-listed player that played. Resies, of the resies, um, and I thought I was a million miles off, but that goes to show how quickly things can change because by round 11 I was playing AFL and played the last 12 games and, you know, we got on a bit of a run. We missed the finals, but we had a lot of senior guys there and there were a few issues, but you don't really notice as a young bloke. Yep. 2003 we missed the finals again. We finished ninth. 2004, Schwabby famously comes out and says in the, uh, the season it. launch, I think this is the year that Hawthorne can win the premiership. Yeah. And um, we finished 15th, which was second last because um, there was only 16 teams in Won five games. He got sacked after about round 18. Donald McDonald coached us. Our senior players, you know, were, weren't gelling. There was a lot of disharmony. Um, our CEO had left. Jason Dunstall was an interim CEO. There was all sorts of shit going on at the club. Mm. And, um, And it was not a great place to be to be honest by the end of two thousand and four. So that's when the club made that decision to to hire Alistair Clarkson. And it was it was probably out of left field a little bit X because Hawthorne had a reputation of hiring ex Hawthorne players to become coach. Yeah. So King Judge was obviously one, Schwabby was one, and out of work at that time was Terry Wallace and Gary Ayers. Yeah circling and I think most people in the footy world just assumed that you know those guys with their credentials with their history with the club and everything would, would get the gig and um, Jason Dunstall mainly he doesn't like to take the credit for it but mm. um, he was the instigator for for getting this young confident aggressive <laughs> guy out of uh, South Australia um, called Alistair Clarkson man we I was, on, I was in Rio de Janeiro with uh, Richie Vandenberg and Sam Mitchell at the time when he was appointed. Yeah. We seriously had to Google him. <laughs>
1: can, you remember your, um, your, can you remember your first meeting? I'm sure, you know, when new coaches come in. I, I luckily didn't have one, but you know when a new coach comes in and they obviously have one-on-one meetings with the players to say, this is where I see you, this is the position, this is what I think you need to work on.
0: Do you remember your first meeting with Clarko? I don't remember it, but um, I just remember him coming in and just being – very black and white with how he wanted the game to be played, how he wanted the positions to be played, and your role within it. Mm-hmm. I immediately loved the fact that he was um, one in all in type of mentality. I still say to this that, that week and a half we did uh, walking the Kokoda track in December of two thousand and four is one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and learning the history of it and reading the book by Peter Fitzsimmons and just I, I didn't have a true understanding of, of how important Kokoda was for Australia. Yeah. That's a pretty defining moment and truth for Hawthorne and what it became. You did it and um, we started to sort of use those four words, at Isharava, courage, mateship, endurance and sacrifice as our, our um, culture, didn't we? Mm. But I remember, I sort of remember, I, I, knew, I knew that Clarko didn't really rate me as a player. Yeah. I got picked in round one in 2005, but I started on the bench. And um, I just remember that, like, a couple of players started on the ground <laughs> in front of me. Uh, and I was just thinking, Jesus Christ, like, I played 40 odd games at the time. And yeah. I-, I think I had to win, I think I had to win Clarko over uh, with what I did on the footy field mm. in games because I wasn't a great, like, I trained hard, but I, I wasn't a standout at training. I wasn't you know, the best at running and I wasn't the strongest and I wasn't the best with ball in hand and I, I didn't have any standout qualities that yeah. if you're a coach looking on, you go, oh, geez, he's trying the house down. It's just, it that just didn't happen.
1: Yeah. The, uh, were you on the Kokoda trip? Well, we obviously were. And were you in the group with, with Buddy Franklin when he was the 18-year-old boy who had um, – I think he had – did he have a photo of his girlfriend in the bag but also <laughs> – yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. He had a photo of his girlfriend
1: yeah. in his backpack but also did he keep eating his rations uh, within the first hour of the morning march and was yep. and said something along the lines of they're not going to let her pick five staff? Was, were you on that? Was that? Were
0: you all part My of that? I was. He, yeah. He'd been at the club. Him, Ruffy and Louis had been like drafted the week before – and their first induction into AFL life was that camp. Yeah, he would eat all his rations um, and then be trying to bribe others. <laughs> but um, I think by about day three, I think it might have been Clarker or some of the senior players had just cracked their shit and winging. Yeah. Um, and so they, they got a massive rock and they put it at the bottom of his um, backpack. Yeah. In kilometre hike that day or whatever. And once we got to the top of the hill... Yeah, buddy was absolutely cast um but battling and they pulled this massive rock, which would have been five or six kilos out from his backpack. Because, um, <laughs> you know, and that's just good good fun amongst uh, amongst teammates. And once we got to Port Moresby, um there's a bit of rumour that Dutchy was a bit of a tight ass, Nick Holland. Yeah. So we were allowed to have a few beers and um, every single person in the club booked their drinks. Up to his room, yeah, nice. As, as nice. The next morning, as we're about to fly home, Dutchy's come down. He's got the uh, he's got the bill, and it was about three and a half <laughs> thousand dollars because it was a hundred and eighty beers. Uh, yeah, his nice. Room. And he came into the mini bus, yeah. And went like, absolutely ballistic, you know, and then walked out, stormed into the next mini bus, and as he's done that, we just erupted laughing. So all those sort of all those funny things go on on uh, on trips away.
1: Mate, I, um, on Kokoda, I remember uh, two things. Kyle Cheney, I don't know which way you walked it, whether you walked it the same way we did, but you land on a, um, an airstrip and you walk for about 45 minutes on pretty flat ground and then then it goes north, south, north, south, north, south the whole way. I remember Kyle Cheney going, mate, I don't know what everyone's whinging about. Yeah, it's hot. It's not too bad. Well, as soon as he said that, we went up and down what like you've never seen before. Um, but I also remember the um, – I, I, day one, I, was, I just thought I was some mad bushman. So I, tr- I went for a shit um, two hours in at your first stop. I was like, oh, go, I'll go for a shit. Found a little spot. A, a wasp flew out of the, of the drop dunny. I thought, no, nah, that's it. I held on for the five days. Didn't even uh, – imagine No, doing, you didn't. For, yeah, I didn't have one the whole way. Held – yet yeah, nothing. Is that right? Yeah, corked it the whole way around.
0: Jesus Christ, that's a good effort.
1: Yeah, so when when we landed the um, when Clarko was like, "You can have a beer." I had uh, greater issues on my mind. I had to go empty out. But um, <laughs> the uh, so Clarko, did you know Bud, Ruff, and Louie were going to be the stars? They obviously were, all of them in the were going to play 300 games. Which I mean, that's that's it, incredible.
0: Oh, it's. I mean, it's hard to predict that when they're just young raw kids coming into a footy club, but. Um, what you did see in them was enormous confidence. Yeah. Some, you know, some people like to to call it overconfidence for young blokes, but I would much prefer I'd much prefer it that way than the other way around. Yeah. I'd I'd, I'd love to see young blokes come in that are that are overly confident, not arrogant, mm-hmm. but just cocky. Have got self uh, very self assured. Yeah. Rather than come in and be timid and don't speak and, you know, just the other way. Because I reckon Hawthorne drafted a few that way and they never went on to be great players because they had this constant self-doubt and yeah. introvert mentality. So Louis was great with ball in hand, tough, good on the lip. Ruffy just had this unbelievable vertical leap and yeah. great hands. Yeah, And Buddy, you knew from day one that he was just gifted with his running prowess, his speed, his endurance and his his left peg yeah. uh, was unbelievable. And um, you, you knew that they were going to be very, very good players. Um, it's hard to predict that, yeah. you know, but, um, geez, they nailed that draft, didn't
1: they? Oh, I'll tell you what, absolutely. Were you part of the story? I think Bud was out in the piss one night. Now, I'm not not certain. On a Saturday morning, there was a, a tan run or something. And did Clarko tell but paired Bud and Croft up, um, to run the tan to, just to check how weathered Bud was or whatnot. And they learnt pretty quickly that Bud had an unbelievable running capacity and then in the end it was almost <laughs> Crawford who put his sword down and said, no, I don't care, <laughs> I hung over is, I can't keep up with this shit.
0: Yeah, there was all those sorts of things. Um, I think Andrew Russell, the, the fitness guy, and Clarko were, were constantly getting amazed by um, what Buddy could do because every time yeah. they would test him, he would he would blow whatever aspirations they had out of the water. Um, We did 21 150s one day um, at Coffs Harbour Mm -hmm. and we had to sort of keep it within a certain time, you know, within three seconds of our our average. Yeah. Um, And they worked Buddy over. I think they just kept putting fresh blokes on to Buddy and he just blew them all away and ran every single 150 under 21 (laughs) seconds, which, you know, like crazy. Blokes at six foot six, you know, you shouldn't be able to do. But mm. yeah, they were good fun in the young days. I uh, I spent a lot of time with with those three. Sort of took them under my wing. Oh, yeah. Showed them the uh, the sights of Melbourne as I did <laughs> with you um, a few years later. Yeah. And we didn't have a short any shortage of fun, mate. I can tell you.
1: It was funny, and um, one of those ones where you were you were my mentor, and almost out of the blue, you, you came up to me and said, I still I still remember at end of those seven seasons. So my first no. sort of season playing, you said mate, you're with me this off-season, you go out when I go out, you drink when I drink, and if you do anything between, I'll be fucking filthy. And it was something like that, and it was um, – you are obviously quite a few years older than me, so you're someone I looked up to. But you took the interest in me to, to offer um, support and direction, but it was on your terms, wasn't it, dog?
0: Uh, yeah, mate, I saw a lot of potential in you, but I thought you were lazy and you just needed a good kick up the ass. arse. And, um, and – Without taking away the fun, but because you know I, I I love to have fun. I love to go yeah. and have a good time. But not every single week, you know. Pick the right time. I was pretty meticulous with what I ate. Yeah, and I reckon your diet probably are, needed some improvement in the first year. Um, so just little things like that. But yeah. yeah, like that's one of the great things of of being on on a on a team um, with young blokes. You get to sort of you know try and help them, and hopefully they listen. And um, I worked out. You know, like you listened and Joshie Kennedy, who was another guy that um, I, I tried to look after. Listen, mate, when I got up to the Gold Coast, um, you know, as an even more experienced guy, knowing what it took, giving some advice to those blokes and they'd look at you like you're a fucking idiot um, and, and go and do the complete opposite. It's no wonder that some of the senior blokes did their block.
1: Oh, 100%. Can, can you remember talking about Josh Kennedy who um, I text randomly and what an amazing grandfather he had who's passed away. Uh, during the week, but I texted him to come on here uh, in the next month or so and he said absolutely. But can you remember, so you were mentoring me and Josh Kennedy. I remember a trip from Leon and Gatha to Portsea. Roughly 21st. From Leon and Gatha to Portsea, yeah. the two players you were mentoring, one got pulled over by the cops without a licence, the other one was nude in the back of the car. Now, dog, come on, mate.
0: <laughs> As I said, mate, we we had a good time <laughs> when we needed to and the police the police ended up waving us on. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, and, no, nah, he had his licence, Josh. He um, P-plates. He was just he a P-plater. Yeah. And we were drinking in the car, which, you know, probably back then wasn't okay. And then you got nude and started to throw all your clothes out the window <laughs> when that song. We have to take our clothes off. Mate, your orthotic thongs were, were gone. They ended up somewhere between Rosebud and Sereno, didn't they? We went looking for them the next day. <laughs> oh. and couldn't find them.
1: It was. Uh- we all ended
0: up nude, and we went to the Portsy uh, <laughs> yeah. Swim Classic that night. And I think the bouncer said, "Have you guys had anything to drink?" And I said, "No, nah, mate, we're sober." Why? And he looked at one of the boys and had their t-shirt on backwards.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, that was so. I remember pulling up at your place. <laughs> And uh, we're sitting there, and that song's been on. And Josh Kennedy, God bless him, <laughs> had a rough ride down from there. <laughs> and I well, mean, look at me, and you go, "What are you looking at?" I said, "Dog, I've got no clothes." And you go, "Right, come with me. I've got your gear on, which was way too big for me." Christ, that was that was. Ah, good fun. they're
0: good times, mate. aren't they? Oh, that was they still great
1: fun. about me laugh now. What a bit, like, talking about Josh Kennedy? I wasn't planning on speaking about Josh Kennedy, but but I sit there, and, and I am my old man is about the only one, or you probably yourself, that. My old man was like he was just in a situation, as opposed to his ability. My old man was always a fan of Josh Kenny saying, "But he's just not going to budge." Mitchell Hodge and he—he, yeah. he, no one predicted he was going to be top three, best and fairest eight years in a row, whatever it was. But Dad was like he could have won best and fairest at Hawthorn if he had the chance. I—I I didn't but see it. But he wouldn't have been
0: given the
1: chance. I didn't see it either. And mate, I sit there and you must sit there watching Sydney go. How oh my, how, like how proud that he's—he's he's made an absolute career out of it.
0: Mate, he's one of the players that I absolutely uh, have the utmost respect for. Um, anyone that has gone and had a career he's had in, mate, his consistency and his record mm. in big games. Yeah. I, I still swear black and blue that he should have won the 2016 Norm Smith medal. I don't care that they didn't uh, win the game. Best grand final best
1: performance player. I've ever seen. Best grand final performance I've ever seen.
0: 36 And he was and huge three. in 2012 when they won. Yeah. Um... And I, I remember a preliminary final or a semi-final in Perth when they played the Dockers, and um, he had 18 touches in one quarter and almost single-handedly mm. dragged them across. Like, yeah, he's a superstar. He he's a good man, but um, I reckon it was the right call by Hawthorne to let him go. Yeah, absolutely. And it was definitely the right call by Josh to to go to Sydney. Some some clubs and players just fit, mm. and um, mate, I don't. Think they Sydney could have got a, a better pl- player and that blood mentality and everything. He just epitomises it, and he's he's been a star.
1: The uh, 07, brownie, you, you're all Australian now. I know that um, I don't know how to say it. Like you weren't a centre half back, obviously. Are you're you 180 or you're less than that. I'm 177, mate. 177, and the roles that the Clark, are, the roles that Clark used to give you, and uh, when you walk with your chest out and your arms back, and you think. You look at you going, you could be six foot six. So you, you, you're five, ten. You're playing centre half back for us.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that just evolved out of nowhere, really. Clarko, it was my first two or three games of the year were just normal playing on mm. smalls and mids. Um, I reckon Scotty Lucas was leading the Coleman medal, coming off a game of seven or eight goals or whatever. And we were playing Essendon at the MCG. Mm. And Clarco always used to send me a message sort of on a Tuesday. I was at uni on like on our day off. What was our day off, Wednesday or Thursday? It was Thursday.
1: Uh, I reckon and Wednesday and then we had the main session Thursday.
0: Yeah, so I reckon I was at uni on a Wednesday and and, and got my customary text from Clarko because he knew that I, I like to get given jobs. Yeah. And the earlier in the week, the more you can prepare and you mm. can come in and watch video and do all that sort of stuff. So I got a text from him saying, um, uh, Brownie, how would you like to – to play on Scotty Lucas this week. And I remember like writing back, ha, ha, ha. It was, mate, it was pre-emojis on folks, right? No <laughs> seven, yeah. there were no emojis on yeah. phones. So I was like, oh, yeah, hey, good one, Clarko. Um, you know, who, who you thinking for me? And he goes, no, no, you've got Scotty Lucas. And I, I was thinking, Jesus, so, like, I was giving up eighty-nine or ninety centimetres, um, but played on him that day. I think Bud kicked nine. Yeah. We won, did an okay job on him. Yeah. Um, and then the next week we had Frio in Perth. Yeah. And so the following Wednesday, Pavlich this week. Yeah. <laughs> and I was okay, did an okay job. The next week it was uh, Rewalt. And it just sort of evolved mm. from there. And I'm, I'm positive that if I'd have copped in a hiding from one of them, um, then it might not have. Yeah. Happened the following week, but we had that full ground press that we were working on at the time, which is certainly helping. Yeah, you know, Big Crowdy and um, Steve Gillum and some of the boys down back did a did a pretty good job helping me out, playing on the bigger guys. And um, for whatever reason, no club for a year and a half actually dragged me deep and tried to isolate me. Yeah, yeah, that just evolved and had a good injury-free year and mm. um, ended up all Australian, which was looking back. Yeah, you know, the time you don't think too much of it, but I never went close to getting all Australian again. And in retirement you sit back and you go, Oh, that's that was a that was a good year.
1: Well you go um, the next year, the following year in the grand final, and I think and I still remember Clarkson um, delivering a speech uh, in 08 where you'd been moved from defense for no other reason that um Clark had an obsession about small elusive forwards. I mean, you have that speech though. Know, they hate small, Lucy forwards, and we've got plenty of them. And you played forwards. So, I mean, you had one year out of the box at 178 centimeters playing centre half back, and then the following year in the grand final, you're playing forward. Was that, was that the crowning moment of your career, that grand final?
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, we'd worked so hard to get there. You know, through the tough times of 2003 and four, and losing a coach and Clarco's first year of 05, we finished 15th again. So there was sort of three horrendous years there. Yeah. 2006 we built but we'd still you know I think we won 7 or 8 games We were a mile off winning a premiership played finals for the first time in 07 yeah and and my first my first final was uh, when buddy kicked 7 Adelaide. against Adelaide and we you know we won that and great great moment but you still felt like you were fairly long way off mm. winning a premiership so to get there in 2008 and we were we were pretty bullish like i know that there's an arrogance of youth me throw around a bit because we're a young side yeah but I didn't fear nah. I didn't fear playing Geelong no nah. at all especially with the form we were in mm. and yeah, you know, history suggests that they didn't kick truly and had they kicked straight leading up to half time they might have put the game away because um, I felt like we we're just hanging on towards halftime they'd had so many inside 50s and opportunities and kept missing um and we went in half time in front and, uh, and that's when Clarko gave arguably the, the biggest spray of his career yeah. to Sammy Mitchell, yeah. um, which would have torn, uh, torn bloody paint off the walls. Oh, that's um, incredible. But, yeah, mate, that was definitely a highlight. And, that, and, and probably what made it even more special was that um, you know, we weren't passengers in that game. We, you know, we both played um, pretty important roles. You had the most marks ever in a, a grand final. and Yeah, um, it's pretty good. Is that the
1: best game you've ever played? Nah, it's funny, Sad. I've mentioned it a few times. I played better against Geelong round 17 that year. Like, I, that was the best game. At the, you know, at the first clearance of the game, I still remember it. We played in round 17. There was ninety thousand at the G on a Friday night. Yep. And uh, I'd been doing a few tagging rolls, uh, had goods, and a few others leading into it. And round 17, Clarko just said, "You're playing in the centre, or what? Like, You're playing first centre bounce, da da da." And the ball just went my way. i i and that was, and that was. I, particular reason why coming to the grand final I was like Ablett look I had no as you said we had no fear and we were arrogant in a good way I think as a young football team those players had slaughtered everyone so what did it matter if they slaughtered another one so I think we had that no fear and we had a fair bit of um bullshit muscles in us which um which obviously helped and and you gave me a goal in the first quarter as well Brownie with um It was – there's never been two uglier kicks in a row. One of the
0: great You know, at least yours Yours was an ugly kick, but it went where you intended it going. <laughs> I was trying to kick it. I was trying to kick it long down the line to the pocket. Yeah. And it's come off the side of my boot at a 45-degree at, at a angle, right in the turnover zone. Yeah, yeah. And Christ, you marked that. And uh, poor old Joel Corey, mm. who was on you, I reckon, yeah. read it. Absolutely beautifully.
1: Worked harder <laughs> than me, worked much harder. Oh,
0: mate. He was probably thinking, how the fuck did the ball end up over <laughs> here? Yeah. In your lap. Hey, goal assist. I'll take it. I'll take oh. it. Hey, mate. So,
1: obviously, um, you've all Australian premierships, all that sort of stuff. You you left Hawthorne. Were you, there was rumours about you getting traded at some stage? There was a bit of backlash. I think maybe 09
0: or 10. Um, yeah, it was 09 for, for Shawnee Burgoyne. That's yeah. right which wasn't – it wasn't a big deal for me um, because I know the industry and, I, you know, I've been around a long time. I've sat through plenty of trade periods. So Hawthorne were obviously pretty desperate to, to get the Sean Burgoyne deal done. Um, and and why wouldn't you? I mean, look what he's doing, still playing. Um, and Port Adelaide, I'm pretty sure, wanted a straight swap. Ryan Shewanmakers – who was an Adelaide boy in a yep. rising up-and-coming key position for Shawnee and um, and sort of Hawthorne didn't want that to occur. Then I reckon they threw up um, Jordan Lewis, you know, yep. would do a straight swap for Louis and um, they didn't want to even entertain that. And then I think they said, well, well, hang on a second. We've come to you with two proposals. You've knocked them both back. Which players uh, are untouchable? And so Hawthorne wrote a list of like 10 or 11 players. Yeah. Like Mitchell, Franklin, Alice, Ruffhead, Rioli, Alice. Hodge, Alice. <laughs> um, and, and so whoever they deemed whoever wasn't on that list yeah. was fair game. Yeah. And, and I wasn't on the untouchable list and yeah. I, I don't think I should have been. Um, so they realised that, okay, it's getting late in the deadline. We need to get this deal to happen. Shawnee Burgon had a bad knee and they, I think – they thought they might only get a year or two out of Shawnee, yeah. which is pretty crazy. crazy. Considering, considering, mate, 10 years later he's still going and, and yes. still at the top of his game. But also his first
1: year at Hawthorne was no good either. Remember he came in sore. He broke his jaw. Broke his jaw down in the Geelong and the VFL. And it was just a bit of a shit show from the start. And I was like, oh, <laughs> great.
0: He, he was a good player.
1: But who would have yeah. known there was 10 years left Man, on the end of it? What a freak. Yeah, crazy. So,
0: yeah, so I think um, I think Port Adelaide decided, righto, if we can get, get me for mm. Shawnee, that, that's a good deal, which yeah. would have been a great deal for Hawthorne. Yeah. Mate, to get of me for, <laughs> for Shawnee well, would have been a, one of the great stitch-ups.
1: But also, like, and, um, and nothing at Shawmakers, um, I mean, that would have gone down as an incredible trade to get Sean Burgoyne, knowing what Sean Burgoyne's done now, there's probably yeah. not too many. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, crazy.
0: So I had a year to run on my contract, which was 2010. Yeah. So I, I was the decision maker in the end. Yeah, um, okay. Hawthorne would if that deal could have been made for me, for Sean Burgoyne, they would have made it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Port Adelaide wanted it because I was starting to get calls from um, Choco Williams, who was in San Francisco at the time. He rang me. Then I was getting calls and messages from... Chad Corns, Kane Corns, Dean Brogan, all these guys, Dom Cassisi mm-hmm. trying to get me across. Um, and I just I just didn't want to go over to, to Port Adelaide. Yeah. Um, and it just it sort of just went, okay, well, if Orthorn are prepared to trade me, um, I've got a year to run on my contract. Maybe uh, I, I should just see what's out there going forward. Mm. Um, because it didn't catch me off guard, but it just sort of opened my eyes up a little bit that right, I will yeah, you know, only one year after winning the flag and being a pretty integral part of it. Yeah, we didn't have a good year, you know, nine collectively. Yeah, but I played, I played twenty-one of twenty-two games and sort of, you know, yeah, done okay. Not, scrapped, I scrapped away, I yeah. But there was, you know, there was plenty of reasons why we didn't play well in in two thousand and nine, and um, I didn't feel like I was a major part of that. Yeah, so I just it just opened my eyes up a little bit to right, I will. Maybe uh, it's a ruthless industry. We know how ruthless Thorne are yeah. on the trade table. I might need to potentially look elsewhere, and that's where the Gold Coast come up.
1: So the Gold Coast uh, had Mick Barlow on on last week, who obviously ended up the Gold Coast as well. You you were more in the the formative years of, of the Gold Coast. The, the deal that came to your dog, and I don't want to know. I don't want to know numbers or anything like that, because obviously they had so many kids there who were on their max contracts were first and second year player contracts. So you couldn't pay them any more. As, like, a percentage um, for you to pack up from Hawthorne and go to the Gold Coast, wh- wh- as a percentage, how, how did Hawthorne's offer the Gold Coast offer sit?
0: Mate, m- money-wise, it wasn't, like, everyone laughed. And, and the first thing everyone thinks when you you leave a club, especially me going to the Gold Coast yeah. for money.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Anyone that sort of knows me knows um, what little regard I have for money. You got plenty. Um, it was wow. about... <laughs> Um, it was much better, right? Yeah. It was much better money, but don't worry, it wasn't ridiculous money because the ridiculous money was already spent on Ablett, Brennan and Bock. Yeah, okay. Right? So um, it was better than what I was on at Hawthorne. Yeah. But the big one for me was it was an extra year attached. So Hawthorne offered me a two-year deal.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Gold Coast offered me three. Yeah. But then what they were saying was, oh, well, You'll be 30 years of age, and if you're playing good footy and your body's holding up, we've got a young list. Yeah. Um, there's no reason why you can't get a fourth year or a fifth year out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So in my head, I'm going, Right, Hawthorne, it's two years and then you're done. Yeah. You're sort of 29. Bruce, Suckling, jeray Stratton, these young kids are coming through the ranks. They were all at the footy club when I was there. Yeah. They hadn't played AFL footy yet, but um clearly. They played they had pretty well. <laughs> you know. You, knew, you just knew that they were yeah. they were knocking on the door, and while I was keeping them at bay, you know, and I might have for another twelve months, then um, I just didn't want to get to a stage where I knocked back a really good deal that might um, extend my career. Yeah, to be loyal to a footy club that at twenty eight or twenty eight years of age you play your last fifteen or twenty games for Box Hill. Yeah, and then they tap you on the shoulder and say, "Thanks for your service. You retired." Mm-hmm. Um, which I saw them sort of do to Richie Vandenberg and you know Joel Smith and a few yep. guys. Yeah, and Richie was our captain. You know, yeah. like well, he was lucky um, to play that so, final.
1: You yeah. know, yeah. So,
0: so I was thinking, you know, if they're prepared to do that to our captain and 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 um, Joel Smith and some of those guys, they'll have no issues doing it to me. Yeah, and if you've knocked back the Gold Coast to be loyal to a club that then sort of retire you young. Yeah. Um, that was my decision making. Mm. Anyway, can, can you remember? It was, it was no doubt the right professional decision. Yeah. It's just it was much harder. Um, footy, as I knew it, yeah. was, was was done because yeah. it just, it became a bit of a sideshow. There was no relevance. There was yeah, no build up to a big game. Yeah, it, it was really tough up there.
1: Can you can you remember when you did commit to the Gold Coast? And I remember uh, Birchall and I are good friends of yours, and we you sort of looked after us early days. We turned up to your joint uh, as pissed as two newts thinking we were the funniest blokes alive. Um, and you know, come on, Brownie, we're going out. Da, 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 da. And you were packing your bags and I remember you had all your, shit, at, you had all your shit everywhere and you asked me and Birch, who couldn't string two words together, boys, do you want any of me training gear? And I looked down at the bags and your blue or green, what, blue or green jocks, what were those Bonds things you used blue, to – Blue, yeah, blue, yeah. The blues were sitting on top and you offered the bag. I was like, Brownie, we're not taking your stupid jocks that you've worn for every game of your career. And that, me and Birch, off we went. But he wandered off. We thought, ah, the dog's over us. He, he served his penance. He looked after both of us. But – um.
0: We went to, mate, we, I, I, I wanted to go on the la- my last footy trip with the boys, which was 2010. We were going to LA and Las Vegas. That's right, yeah. And I wasn't sure, having just announced I was going to the Gold Coast, if I'd be welcome or, like, mm. it's just a bit uncertain. But all the boys were like, yeah, yeah, mate, of course, come, like, last hurrah. Yeah. So we went, my first night in LA, we got so pissed at Chaconis, um, and one of the guys go, oh, uh, Brandy, you always said if we won a flag, you'd get a tattoo." And then you've, <laughs> yeah. you've never done it and no one's done it. The only bike that actually did it was Ruffy. He got that one on his shoulder. And
1: his design right? was no good, so everyone bailed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so no one got it. So yeah. I was, I just sort of said to the boys, as we're seeing there, well, I'll do it right now if someone comes with me. And um, Gillum, Youngie, Louie, Cyril, Birch, all the boys go, mm. oh, yeah, I'll come and do it. So all of us went to LA Inc., we walked in there about 2 o'clock in the morning. We've had to get the guy to Google like the Hawthorne logo, <laughs> yeah. right? Because he didn't know what it looked no like. No idea. And, um, and I go, oh So I was first. I got it on my right ass cheek. Yeah. And um, Birch and Youngie and the boys got it on their ankles. And the funny story was if you have a tattoo, um, you're meant to not go into chlorine for yeah. a week <laughs> and you're meant to rub some sort of like anti-inflammatory moisturiser on it, right? Yeah. Well, we flown to Vegas the next day for five days.
1: Yeah, game on.
0: We've gone to pool parties, we've swum, um, we've lost the moisturizer. Mate, my ass got infected. <laughs> I couldn't sit. <laughs> Birch and Young's ankle got infected. <laughs> they, they couldn't walk, mate. You should have seen us trying to get around Las Vegas oh. and, with these tattoos that all got infected, mate. It was an absolute disaster.
1: <laughs> Talking about an infected ass, and I won't name names. It- our first year, we uh, we went to New Zealand on a on a training camp, and at the end, we ended up in, a, in an establishment uh, with a bar, and one of the, the the fine ladies burnt burnt the ass of one of our teammates who couldn't sit on the seat on the plane on the way home. He had to squat the whole you way from <laughs> from New yeah, Zealand. Right. I can't say who it was, but um, Man, yeah, crazy it. times. Hey, why was the Gold Coast so such a basket case? What were it, it, it's? You look at the players even today that are still out there, like Tom Lynch, Prestia, um, you know, Bunnell was something special at the time, Steve Mays at uh, Melbourne. Uh, they, they had The quality of play, and everyone says, oh, GWS nailed the draft. Or I argue Gold Coast nailed the draft as well. Maybe they were different people. But what what went wrong on yeah. the Gold Coast?
0: Oh, mate, it had taken an hour, I reckon. But coming from Hawthorne yeah. to the Gold Coast, I sort of had a blueprint of – Uh, and it's seen firsthand of what you needed to do to build a footy club up to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, you know, game plan structure and and that sort of stuff, vital. Um, I don't reckon Blue was strong enough with that early on. Yeah. And what I mean by that is Clarko came in and he was like, bang, this is how we play. You bring out the back of stoppages every single time. If someone didn't, runner, off, Monday review, If it goes in one way, it comes out the other. Mm -hmm. If if you didn't do that and you went skinny side or whatever, even if they got a we got a goal from it, yeah. It's like, no, mate, we need to be predictable to our teammates, you're off. You know. So there's probably that. One of the massive things that I've spoken about with the Gold Coast is I reckon all footy clubs that are successful need continuity Mm. with their training, patterns. Yeah. Yeah. We had the same fitness guy for 16 years, Andrew Russell. Yeah. Um, Richmond have had Peter Burge for all these years. You know, the, as well, The yeah. successful sides have, you know, um, we got the weapon, mate. Everyone forgets that the weapon in the first year of the Gold Coast Suns. How many was, injections was, was did you have? <laughs> Thank Christ they gave him the arse, right? Yeah. But um, he rocked up for one year and clearly his methods mm. of whatever he did – um, didn't fit our young group. Yeah. Um, gone. So inc- incomes, they, they'd spent that much money on him on a three-year deal. They didn't have a lot of money to go around. Yeah. So Andrew Weller was our rehab guy up there at the time. He then became the, the head honcho, fitness guy. Um, and um, completely different met- methodology. Mm. Weapon had tried to put on bulk, you know, five, six, seven kilos on these young guys, which, you know, they did. Yeah. All of a sudden now we're doing some repetitive stuff, Yeah, you know, like 1Ks and, and running. And these young guys, soft tissue injuries and some groin soreness and everything because they weren't used to that sort of running. Year two, he goes. Yep. We get Stephen Schwert from Adelaide who's big on um, yo-yo tests and 150s and altitude, right? Yeah. So, again, no right or wrong but completely different methodology around training. Yeah. And then made all the boys adorn hammies and stuff, right? Yeah. So in five years, they had four different fitness coaches. So that's probably mm. not going to help. We never had our best players on the park because they always were breaking down. Yeah. Um, the the development program of the young guys was a, a, was appalling. Yeah. I would almost argue it was non-existent. Yeah. So there's the, the needful competition and, and – and the way that the players that weren't playing AFL were getting games and experience was not right because I still Watch remember play out of position.
1: I still remember Brandy Hawthorne um you had your set day off, or you had to have a compulsory day off, whatever it was, AFL rules. But if you're in the development group, you used to have you to come, come you off. used to have to come in every time. And they made it fun. I remember some times um that have tarps oiled up, like lubed up, like you know, and that was practicing you know sliding in collecting, and you can't do it anymore. But Clark, I was big on it, you know, sliding in, getting to your feet. And then at one stage, we're playing FIFA to work out, you know, zones, it was which obviously didn't help at all. But we worked our ass off. And, and once you graduated out of development, it was like, cool, they somewhat trust that I have an idea around game plan, around how to look after my body, how to do my weights properly. And it was, we didn't have the day off early, we had and it was three hours probably on a, on a Tuesday or Thursday morning where it was. Um, you know, from 7.30 till 10.30. And it, it, it was nothing, but it was bloody good fun.
0: Yeah, so not, mate, there was none of that up at the Gold Coast. So the development program just simply wasn't there. Yeah, I think that they thought that by getting games into players, that that was enough. So, you know, um, at 40 games, you're going to be a better player than you were at 20 games, yeah. which you should be, but only if... You're getting taught the right behaviours and, and patterns and manners yeah. and everything. Of,
1: yeah.
0: um, otherwise, you, you're not going to be a better player at all. You're just going to be 20 games further along mm. doing the exact same things and not working on your weaknesses. And I reckon a lot of y- those young blokes realised earlier in their careers, um, if I don't chase, yeah. if I don't man up, if I don't run defensively, I'm still going to get a game each week. I'm yeah. not going to get dropped, right? Um and with that, with no sort of fear of the consequence, then what is there? Yeah, so course. I don't reckon selection integrity was there. Mate, I could go on forever, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Clarko dropped Buddy for the first half of 2006, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Didn't, didn't just give him games for no, the hell of yeah. it. Um, and, and little things like that, that never really happened up on the Gold Coast. It's, yeah. it's no one's fault, but all those little things probably contributed yeah. to... The club not being where they wanted to go, and then what happens is all the other clubs start circling. We lose Caddy early. We always would have lost Caddy. Yeah. But had the club created a really good, strong, winning culture of hard work mm. and work ethic and everything early, you might have kept Charlie Dixon. You definitely would have kept Tom Lynch.
1: Yeah. Eon Omira. Yeah,
0: you know, those guys because they were they were the sort of the heart and soul of of that club. But, yeah. Um, it got. To such a bad place, and all they knew was loss and defeat, mm. and people blaming each other. And I don't reckon no
1: crowds, uh, no interest.
0: Was, I don't nah, and I don't reckon um, the you know footy manager and, and some of the people in those positions treated those young guys that well. Yeah. Um. And what happens was, mate, they started to resent the place, and they left.
1: Yeah. Uh, makes they've sense. Left,
0: they've all had success, haven't um, they? And the only one that stayed from the early days was Dave Swallow. He's, he's a great captain. He's a great person. Um, but he's the only one left from yeah. that whole great crop of young guys that um, could have, you know, but I reckon they're on the right track now. Yeah. I reckon Dewey's going well. I reckon Mark Evans, who was at Hawthorne with us. The Hawthorne who's Flavre. the CEO. Yeah. Good. I like the president, even though he, he stirs the pot a bit, mm. but I don't mind that because at least they stand for something under under Cochrane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just a bit of a shame. And being one of the senior guys up there at the time and the way I finished my career, I sort of copper a, a bit of the blame yeah. as to why the Suns didn't go on to success. But I, I was more than happy with my three years up there. I, I was playing some pretty good footy.
1: Yeah, and it was – yeah, I know you don't need me to, uh, to interject and say um, what you did up there was much better than a lot did up there. But um, – now, Dog, I, I am going uh, to divert now to um, 29 weeks you were suspended in your career.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a lot, doesn't so it? So far, I, I really fell off my I stool. Spread them, I spread them out. Mate, <laughs> I, missed, the I, missed about, the
1: gym. I missed about three years with a leg injury and people go, oh, mate, that's bad luck. Oh, look, at you've missed a season and a half, Cliff and Pricks.
0: Yeah, well, um, mate, Clarko came up to me one day and said, every time I got reported or suspended mm. – he never said one word to me, yeah. never angry, never don't do it. Never. Do. He, he once told me that um, maybe I should put the bump away because it yeah. was dead. But when I didn't put it away, he never got angry. Yeah. And I worked out why. Because he said, mate, you just keep doing what you're doing because we don't want any of our good players getting rubbed out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, now this reminds me of a story. I reckon it was St Kilda. Um, we are playing the Saints and you had a busy first quarter. Busy as you've ever seen. I think you might have had eight kicks or so. Yeah, eight kicks and a couple of handballs or something.
0: That's very busy for me.
1: Bus- the busiest I've ever seen. And I remember you saying at quarter time, "Boys, I'm on. I'm on. Like fucking feed me. I'm on. Like oh yeah, I'm That's on. Right. This is crazy. Like I can I've never I know touched where it. You going with it. I've never touched it like this. So boys, if you see dog, give it to me. They can't stop me today. I've never been on like this before in my life. And at halftime, you come in and go, oh, don't worry about giving me the ball, guys. Um, they're actually running away
0: from me when I get it. Mate, it was, yeah, mate, it was North Melbourne. North I Melbourne, wasn't it? Of, yeah. I heard the players, <laughs> I heard the players going, no, 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 leave him. Leave him. We want him to get the footy like this. And, I, mate, I was fucking shattered. <laughs> That's right. I remember thinking, Oh, my God, they're actually running away from <laughs> yeah. me because they want me to be the person that was kicking it. Oh, you don't reckon that just... Oh, mate. I remember, hole you. In my heart.
1: I remember you coming in and, honestly, it must have felt like you were Chris Judd for about 20 minutes until you worked out. I thought I was on fire. But that was their game plan. Yeah,
0: because they knew I'd turn it over, man,
1: and they'd count it <laughs> <gone>. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, So, yeah, the 29-week suspension, I, I, I never got suspended, um, which I regret in the end. I, I saw something the other day, I said, I actually regret not fighting Tyrone Vickery when he hit Dean Cox. That's one thing I actually regret. But 29 weeks, um, were there any in there that – what were the long ones and what were the ones where you thought, ah, oh, that, that was a miss? Because as you said, Clarko used to always say, always, at Hawthorne we walk the tightrope. If you fall off it, we get back on. Who cares? And that was his theory. He wasn't on people getting suspended. He just didn't, didn't care unless it was something that really hurt the team more on match day in terms of downfield and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. He never had a major issue with it. Like, like the way I looked at it and and it might be wrong. Jesus Christ, how many beers have you had? That's like your fourth yet. Yes. I've just had, I've just finished my first and it's uh, 355 mils. Um, I always used to think, well, because I, I didn't, like I wasn't bringing a whole lot to the table and, um, I had to play with absolute energy yep. and aggression and enthusiasm uh, and, and hardness to keep my spot in the side each week. Mm-hmm. That um, that was sort of my go-to. And, and when I didn't do that, when I just thought I'd just coast through or mate, um, I, I wasn't a great player, especially defensively. So yep. um, I sort of rationalised it, it by saying, okay, well, 29 weeks is a lot. But if I didn't yeah. play with that level of intent, even the arse. Yeah. So um, I don't look at it necessarily as a negative. Yeah, There was absolutely some incidents there that didn't have to occur yeah, um, and, and easily preventable. Um, but they did. Do I regret them? I don't really because I don't really believe in sort of looking back and, and changing things because they sort of make you who you are today. Yeah. But I loved I love the Stouches with um, Essendon yeah, over the
1: journey. I'm getting there because um, <laughs> I did too.
0: <laughs> and uh, my, my most unfortunate, mate, my most <laughs> unfortunate suspension, and it was the last game I ever played, X. Yeah. It was Gold Coast Suns versus Melbourne at Metricon. I kicked three <laughs> yeah. and actually played pretty well. And James Strauss, a fellow Scotch boy, yeah. uh, a couple of years younger than me. Would I have, adm- would have admired
1: up. you. Would have loved you.
0: Probably. Yeah, yeah, mate. He was, I think he um, – he was a captain of Scotch footy, uh, yeah. so we had that in common. But I went to pick the ball up and as I've gone to kick it, he just sort of like, like pushed me and it trickled five meters in front of me and I was owned up on my back and I saw him sort of run past me yeah and I just threw my right leg.
1: Oh that's right out I remember it. yeah yeah
0: and over and yeah. as I was sort of rolling over, I flicked the leg out, rolled over. Got after the footy again, mm. and I just remember that got a ball up, and I looked across, and James Stroud sort of was holding his face, was right in front of the Melbourne bench, so he went off. Yeah, and I didn't think too much of it again, and then on the Monday, uh, I'm getting a massage at sort of four o'clock in the Arvo. Marcus Ashoff came up to me and said, "Oh, Brownie, you've been cited by the match review panel," uh, and I, I was sort of like, "Oh, what for?" Yeah, like that's how innocuous it was. Yeah, I yeah. off for for um reckless conduct or something like you when you threw your leg out you you struck James Strauss in the nose yeah uh, and they've offered you four weeks and and I said to him fucking Jackie Chan couldn't have, <laughs> kicked, couldn't have kicked him and hit him on the mate I broke his nose and split his lip yeah, yeah. I said Jackie Chan wouldn't have been able to, yeah. to hit that moving object <laughs> to target as flush as I did right yeah I wasn't even looking I said mate oh." This doesn't sit well with me. I'm going to contest this charge. Yeah. We've looked at the wording and, and, and the you know, it's medium impact and it's certainly high because you've got him in the head. And the, yeah. We don't reckon you've got any wiggle room to get out of this. And I said, nah, nah, mate, I'm not just going to roll over and cop this because yeah. one of my bands never plead guilty. Yeah. Because you're doing their job for them. Yeah, of course. So always just bloody plead not guilty and make him make a case. And they're and probably so, sitting
1: there too. The lawyers are sitting there going, If Brownie pleads not guilty, we got to turn up. We're going. We're charging thousand bucks an hour. We're getting paid. I hope the dog pleads not guilty.
0: So I said to him, "Mate, not guilty. I'm going to take him on." He goes, "All right." And I said, and not only that, I want to fly to Melbourne, show him how serious I am, put the suit on, walk into AFL House, and I want to eyeball the three members of the the tribunal. Because so I'm 30 and I've been to the tribunal a million times, and I sort of I quite enjoyed the experience. <laughs> you know, I'm on first so name, we, your first
1: name base with them all.
0: So we fly down, they said, Oh, Q, you want a QC? I said, No, 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 I'm going to defend myself. I've come up with a, um, <laughs> you think you're I, Mike I, Ross? I really, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've come up with a really good defense here. And they said, Oh, can we hear it? And I said, You'll hear it on the night. So I walk in and I, you know, shimmer, plod, you know, like Wayne shimmer bush. Yeah. but like, you know, all the, you sit down, they put you in the witness box. And they show the bit of vision on pause and slow-mo and, you know, inch by inch, you're striking him on the nose. And um, I said, Your Honour, have you heard of Isaac Newton? (laughs) And they said, mate, yes, why? And I said, well, have you heard of Isaac Newton's third law of motion? (laughs) For every action, there's a reaction. So as you can see, and pause it right there, as my right leg, as my left leg comes in, as I'm in a rolling motion, to counterbalance myself, my right leg has to come out and extend, right? And I'm rolling, I'm clearly not looking. And that is Isaac Newton's third law of motion. Right? Yeah. And there's a collective sort of gasp and, and look of bewilderment. And this is a true story, right? We walk out of the we walk out of the tribunal and I sit down. Marcus goes, How do you think you went? I went, I reckon I did pretty well. And mate, within five seconds, there's a knock on the door. And I went, oh, shit, I don't reckon that's great. They haven't (laughs) deliberated for long. I go back in there. I've never told this story before. I go back in there and the chairman of the tribunal goes, "Um, Mm. Campbell, with all due respect, uh, I've been the chairman uh, of this um, tribunal for 27 years. Never have I had anyone come in here and defend themselves and uh, quote Isaac Newton's third (laughs) law of motion. But unfortunately, we find you guilty four weeks, right? And, mate, I never played ever again yeah. because I missed rounds 21, 22 yeah. and 23 of that year. Yeah, and then done. And then, obviously, I got sacked uh, by the Gold Coast leading into 2014. Yeah. So it was my it was my last ever game. And as I walked out of the tribunal, the cameras sort of come up and were you happy with the tribunal? <laughs> I looked down the barrel, mate, deadpan. I said, it was basic gymnastics like this, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> Completely fucking took the.
1: This <laughs> right. And uh, come back and... Bit- so you've you've gone in and... You, so Actually, before you do finish, I have a question. Every player that leaves a tribunal, they always say, I just want to thank the AFL and the tribunal for a, um, a, a fair and reasonable. Nah,
0: mate, stuff that. I wasn't that gonna are you told tribunal? to do
1: that, though? You, you, you went a few times. It wasn't the one Isaac Newton time. Were you, were you told to thank the tribunal for some reason? No, you're
0: not told to. I, I think that um, the politically correct sort of people do, yeah. but, um, mate, I, I got charged 13 times yeah. and I was found guilty 12, so why the fuck would I thank them? Yeah. I, never, I only got off <laughs> once. <laughs> you hey, only dog. thank them if you get off, mate. Uh, doggy, we're going
1: we're gonna to pivot in the coronavirus term that <laughs> uh, the flogs are using out there. We're going to pivot in business. We're going to pivot right now. Uh, I was on uh, doing a bit of research around you and I today, looking for a photo of you and I to post um, regarding this podcast. And I got down the um, the spiral of of YouTube and uh, started doing some research on your dad. Now I don't know if you can hear this. I'm going to hit play, and this is, this is one of the ones I found that I absolutely loved. Another footballer to emerge in the
0: 60s created big news for other reasons. East Perth were playing the VFL side Carlton. Clashes were hard,
1: tempers were high, and it had to happen. Veteran commentator Lou Richards couldn't believe his eyes. As he informed an astonished radio audience back in Melbourne, Brown was fighting the whole Carlton team. And to add injury to insult, Brown won. If interstate followers of the game had ever doubted Brown's reputation as an man, they didn't now. So, Brownie, I've done some research on your old man who I've had the pleasure of having a few... Uh, funny conversations with uh, – he played about 200 games, coached for about 300 or whatever. In 1969, he won a Sandover. And for the, the Victorians that, that are listening, I think the WA people respect it, but 1969 was prime time WA football, wasn't it, in terms of legends everywhere. And your old man's won the Sandover medal, which is the, the equivalent to the Brownlow. Uh, he was an all-Australian captain as well. Your old man was, yeah, it was an absolute it was the star. First,
0: it was the first ever – it was the first ever uh, – Non Victorian to be named the All Australian captain back then.
1: It was, it did, so, did he speak to you much about his footy? Because it, that, that, not really much is that that's yeah, when you think about it, All Australian captain, Sandover medal 200, three best and fairest at East Perth. That, that is the absolute top end of town, isn't it?
0: Yeah, he could play. I know that he's never been one to ever talk uh, about his career too much. Yeah. Um, I've always sort of heard these stories second, third hand from friends or. You know, ex-teammates or, or whatever, mm. um, there's no doubt that his playing career was overshadowed by the controversy that surrounded him as a as a player, coach and administrator. So yeah. you don't often hear many people um, sort of re- refer to him as the great footballer. He's, yeah. he's the bad boy or the larrikin or whatever. Um, but, he, he, mate, he loved it. He loved coaching. I reckon he loved coaching more than playing. Yep. And he, he was a captain coach of East Perth. Uh, as a youngster, I think mm-hmm. he was a captain coach by the age of sort of 21 or 22, which yeah. is pretty young, you know, when you think about it. Went on to coach South from Antle, do a flag, and he was a West Australian coach. So, no, I, I understand uh, his involvement in the yeah. game. He was obviously rubbed out for the, the Richmond Premiership for throwing the ball too hard back at the umpire.
1: Not 1974, uh, I was doing a bit of research. It said uh, Mel Brown he threw the ball at the umpire. And he was suspended for the grand final in the prelim. Is that right?
0: Uh, I think it was the semi. Semi. Yeah, semi. He um he got three weeks for throwing the ball too hard back at the umpire. And he he sort of claims that it, it wasn't too hard, but I've seen the replay. Um, the umpire nearly ended up on punt. <laughs> Tom Brady. Tom Brady would have been that doesn't have it have an arm as hard as that. So uh, he probably deserved the prem, uh, the, the suspension. But uh, yeah. it was a pretty big price to to pay. He only played in the VFL one season. Yeah. Um. That year at Richmond was the only year we could get a transfer because back then you needed transfers. Yeah. And while um, Collingwood and Fitzroy and Richmond and all that were, were chasing him for years and and wanted him to play on, um, he had to get transferred back to West Australia. So he, yeah. he missed his, uh, his his VFL flag.
1: The um, and so he came back in '75 and he was banned from uh, from coaching over in Perth because of an interchange bundle. Do you know Do you know that story? He subbed someone back on who was meant to be subbed out of the game or something?
0: Yeah, well back then I think there was um, only two on the interchange and uh, they'd had a couple of injuries. Yeah. I think yeah. there was two or three injuries. So once you've made a change, you, they couldn't go back on. Yeah. And they'd, uh, they'd end up copying two or three injuries rather than play with 17 men mm. when he had a, a fit and healthy guy on the bench. Yeah. He sent him back. I think his name was Cole Reevy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sent him back out there to play, which was clearly breaking the the, the laws of the time, yeah. the rules of the time, and uh, he ended up getting rubbed out for the remainder of the season. But he took on the the waffle commission, yeah. and they changed the interchange rules around it. So, yeah, he, he was a bit of a maverick, a bit of a rogue. But I yeah. reckon he was one of those guys that everything he did was for the betterment of the game, yeah. not just for you know his own ego, or whatever. It was mm. he was trying to to help make you know, AFL footy,
1: uh, a, a great game. The um the, the one story I did read today and I absolutely loved it was I think 1970. I've got 70 in front of me. Now, I'm not sure uh, whether that's exactly right, but he was captain coach at East Perth, I reckon, and I reckon they won a flag. And uh, the the president and the, the the board members, I don't know if they had him back in the day, but, you know, the hofty-tofties, the people with the money, they invited Mel up to um, to drink and, and celebrate in the private room, and Mel said, and this is out of a book extract, Mel said, "Yep, great. I'm bringing 20, 20 others or nineteen others, how many?" He said, "I'm bringing. i will bring I'll bring the boys." And they said, "No, the no,
0: bringing
1: the team up." He said, "They," and they said, "No, no. The the invites only extended to uh, to you and maybe a star or something." And Mel got so pissed off, he grabbed every single teammate. And said, "Fuck and it, left. we're out of here." And they left and celebrated their own pub.
0: Yeah, mate, I that's love true. that. Like, oh, I love that. Oh, there's a little bit of yeah. There's a lot of Clarko about that. You know, yeah. one in all. Hundred. I um, love it. And so, no, he, mate, he's a funny guy. He's been a he's been a great influence on my career and a great character. Yeah, probably my favourite story yeah. of all time was when he got rubbed out um, as a coach. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to set foot on the field. That's right. So he could address this the team before the game and at halftime and after the game but he wasn't allowed to go out at three-quarter time or, or quarter time and, and address them. Yeah. And so he hired a cherry picker and at quarter time and three-quarter time he got on the cherry picker and it went over the fence into the middle of the ground and lowered him about an inch off the ground. <laughs> yeah. So he, he th- to the letter of the law, he wasn't setting foot on the field. but they were absolutely spewing with it. So they changed the, the letter of the law to say you're not allowed over the fence, <laughs> so that stuffed him because, like, it ruled out the cherry picker. But <laughs> yeah, he has a bit of fun. Um, he, he never takes himself too seriously. So that's yeah. probably where I got my um lack of respect for authority, yes. Um, so you know, why you have to sort of respect <laughs> respect authority, yeah. Sometimes they're not always right, no. And, um, he's always sort of. Taught us to stand up for what we believe in and, and have some conviction if you if you truly believe in it and the, stuff the consequences.
1: I won't get you much longer, mate. There's yeah. um there's two now. I'm not sure whether were you part of being suspended with Hodgie. Did you get an internal suspension with Hodgie as a youngster? Yeah, his birthday yeah, or your um, birthday. After his 21st, his mate, birthday? His twenty
0: first. His birthday. I um I went to Seven Eleven that that early that morning to get a um power rate and uh, there was a big sign on the. ATM, I had no money left and there was a big sign on the ATM but I was pretty pissed and <laughs> I didn't read the sign, I just sort of removed it, yeah. put my card in and was trying to um, take some money out to buy this Powerade and it wasn't working and the uh, the guy behind the counter was pretty upset um, with me and sort of abused me. I abused him back and, yeah. and left. As I've left, I've given him a mouthful and close to slam 7 Seven Eleven door yeah. and um, I've got about 100 metres from home in Hawthorne. Divvy vans pulled up. Oh shit! Apparently, I matched the description of a guy that <laughs> um, had broken the the window of the Seven Eleven. And what had happened was, unbeknownst to me, as I'd slammed the door shut,
1: yeah,
0: I'd cracked the window,
1: yeah.
0: And mate, they put me in the divvy van, <laughs> cuffed, started going around the suburbs, mate. I was going bang, bang. threw you around. <laughs> I got to the Q, mate, I got to the Q police station at like four in the morning. Yeah. I still wasn't exactly sure why I'd been arrested because <laughs> I wasn't aware that there was a crack in the in the window. Yeah. Um, not, not that that's that big a deal, but I'd been arrested. There's no way on earth with my one call I was going to call the old man at four in the morning to come <laughs> down and bail me out. So I called my lawyer. I don't know why I had a lawyer's number in my phone. Mate, I know exactly
1: why you had a lawyer's number in your phone, dog. You need it
0: on permanent feed dial. <laughs> Bernie Barmer, Bernie the attorney, came down and made... He came down <laughs> and he sort of said it was by five o'clock by that stage, and um, I'd had to empty out all my you know, wallet, and yeah. phone, and all that. Mate, I found five bucks in my back pocket too, so I could have bought the bloody Powerade. But anyway, <laughs> he, said, he said he comes to me, you know, what what happened? And I, I'm probably a bit like Steel Sidebottom was um, <laughs> on the weekend, mate. You can't quite marry up what, <laughs> yeah. what was uh, was going on. So he said, you know, it's your right. When the police interview, mm-hmm. for every single question they ask you, if I'm present, you can say no comment. Yes, yeah. i said, oh, magnificent. Well, because I'm a bit, bit hazy on some of the <laughs> details, the details. So we go into the um, police room. Yeah, and there's a couple of policemen, and they hit record mm-hmm. on three tape decks. Yep, and uh, and the guy goes, oh, I'm senior constable such and such. Uh, the the time is seven thirty-two a.m. on you know, Sunday, the twelfth of July, two thousand and four. Is your name Campbell mcgregor Brown of fifty one Berkeley Street Hawthorne? And I go, No comment. And <laughs> goes, Oh no, mate. You're allowed to, you're allowed to confirm your name and, and address right? And the cop has pissed themselves laughing. They reckon they've never had anyone dumb enough to say no comment to their to their name and address oh. after that, mate. I said no comment to everything and got cleared of all charges. I just had to had to repair the um the window. And on triple M the next week. So I got I got in trouble. Me and Hodgie got dropped. Yeah. I got dropped for getting arrested. And he got dropped for not rocking up to training on Monday. Yeah. And I did a triple M interview on the uh, on the Friday night. Bung or someone asked me what happened. Yeah. And jokingly, I said to him, oh, chief, you know, you're not gonna believe it. But I actually slipped on a Slurpee. Yeah. And mate, the seven <laughs> eleven. <laughs> refused to drop the charges against me because they reckon that I was making them out to, to blame. Right?
1: Yeah.
0: It, was a, it was a throwaway line which ended up nearly being an absolute disaster oh. for me because only they could drop the charges yep. um, and they weren't going to because they reckon that I'm yeah, – I made an ill joke about slipping on a slurpee. <laughs> but anyway.
1: Uh, there's, there's just a couple more. $15,000 fine for lying to the tribunal?
0: Oh, mate – I sort of I – I used to believe in the old code of –
1: Oh, no, I agree. No, no, I, I agree 100% with what you're about to say.
0: Look after the players and, and, you know, I faced the tribunal enough that I, when I went up I was hoping someone would sort of look after me and, and vice versa. So that particular occasion, Juddy was the um, – he was leading the Bramlow in the middle of 2007 and um, and when he eye-gouged me, it was it was the biggest story in footy because – Betting was suspended, yeah. and the biggest name was up for this charge. And quickly, the story sort of turned from, you know, not why did Chris Judd eye gouge me? It was, you know, how dare Campbell Brown's eye socket attack Chris Judd's finger? <laughs> um, <laughs> so and, true. Uh, and I, mate, they started having a crack at me, right? I'm thinking like, this is the one time that I'm actually innocent. How am yeah. I coughing all this bad press? Yeah. Anyway, Juddy got a week. He chose to contest it. Um, tribunal rang me and said, you know, Juddie's contesting it. Can you come in on Tuesday night or Monday night or whatever it was? And I said I was like, nah, stuff that. i finally got a Monday night off myself, mate. Yeah. I, I'll do it via video link. Gave the evidence that the hand was on the face but not in the eye. And yeah. Um, it was pretty it was pretty good evidence. I got him off. Yeah. And then about two weeks later I did on the couch with Mike Sheen and Robert Walls and Jared Healy. Yeah. And Mike had heard me talk at a um, at a breakfast. Earlier, yeah, and I, I'd sort of. Someone asked the question, you know, "Did you lie at the tribunal to get to get him off?" I said, mm. "Oh yeah, of course I did." So his opening question to me was, "I uh, did you tell Fibs at the tribunal to help Juddy oh, off?" Yeah, get stitch off? up, stitch up, and I was like, "I, di- I didn't want to lie." Yeah, Fibs didn't sound Fibs didn't sound as bad. If it maybe could have said like. Did you lie? I might have said no, but yeah. when he said, "Did you tell a fib?" to me, a great it's a little fairy, I, a little I, fairy I, one, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I said, "You yeah, well, of course I did, Michael." Anyone in the footy world saw the incident knows yeah. that uh, I lied, and with that, all hell broke loose. Mm. Adrian Anderson, the AFL, were filthy. Brought, I got charged with bringing the game into disrepute, mm. and uh, they were going to give me a three-week suspension. I had to go into AFL House and um, sit down with Adrian, you know, because I've admitted to lying to the tribunal and and I said to him, mate, how can I get three weeks suspension and Juddy got one for eye-gouging me and you're giving me three just mm. for lying about the eye-gouge? Anyway, we, we struck a bit of a deal. I copped a $15,000 fine. I refused to apologise <laughs> um, because I did nothing wrong. Yeah. So that pissed him off. And then, mate, I sent Juddy an invoice, but I'm still I'm still waiting for him to... Uh, Has he ever thanked Judy did he, did he win the Brownlow that year? I don't know if he won it. No, he's, he sank me, mate. Yeah. He tipped me into some shares a couple of years ago. Okay, Mate, we did very, very well out of him. Okay, so, we'll call it even. Oh, yeah, we're well and truly even. He did a great job.
1: Nah, nice one. Um, now, Doggy, I will, I will let you go um, um, really quickly, but uh, you, you love your horses. <laughs> now, I remember me and Birch, yourself, maybe one other, flew to Sydney for the debut of a horse called Sweet Idea, which ended up winning $2 million? Uh, two point four. 2400000 dollars, and I remember we flew up, and the horse that was running in the race was a dollar thirty favorite called Citation. I don't know
0: at Sydney. Oh, you've got a better memory
1: than me, mate. Yeah, I'd actually do have a good memory. Geez, I wish I remember the game plan. That that was my fucking undoing. But um anyway, uh, so, yeah,
0: Citation. I reckon that was a Snowden horse. Wasn't yeah, it was. It was. Was it?
1: Yeah, it was. It, it, jump jump it jumped to a dollar thirty. Sweet idea, Gay Waterhouse. You love your horses. You've been. Not lucky because you, you obviously tip in and invest, but uh, that was a ride for you.
0: Yeah, great ride. Um, she won that day, broke the track record, and uh, and that was the start of a great journey. Um, won, the, well, won the three-year-old Magic Means, yep. uh, four Group 2s. Group 1 broke down and uh, bowed a tendon as yeah. a four-year-old, right at her peak and yeah. went up having to sell her. Um, she was purchased by uh, Her Majesty the Queen of England. Yeah. Um, For a a very nice sum of money and um, flown over to her Sandringham stable. um, Has been served by a champion stallion over in Europe called Galileo. So, yeah, mate, had a bit of luck there. That was my first horse with Gay. I'd had plenty of horses before that with Crawford and stuff. Good journey. I've I've had a a lot of slow ones since. Passed up uh, 10% of sunlight, which... uh,
1: Did you really?
0: Pretty devastating decision. Yeah, Calvin McAvoy rang me and offered me um, shares in that at the time and knocked it back and... Mate, that horse was a, an absolute freak. So, yeah, the thing is you, you can't buy them all. Like if you, nah. if you tried to buy them all, you'd go broke. You just want to sort of make the right decisions and not yeah. pass up champions here, there and everywhere. But I love I love racing and, yeah, love do, doing the odd adventure here, there and everywhere mm. post, post-footy. post So like to keep life pretty interesting, X-Man.
1: I remember there was a day, dog, and I don't remember it was. It was buttfuck nowhere, but – uh, we drove out for a horse. Uh, uh, who had the horse? Uh, was it a Kennywell horse or? No, nah, no, nah, it was a, a
0: Les uh, and Stephen Theodore
1: horse. Theodore horse. And um, we left with the car full of cash and um, I don't know, I think some bikies or something want to get us. But anyway, um, that, that was that's a good. That's right. You come out to Yarra Valley with us. That's where we, we were. Got off a sting. Yeah, we stung them. It was um, a sting. And we, we filled the pockets, but they weren't overly thrilled with us, were they? No,
0: nah, we really got hold of a man, didn't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I reckon it was a well-orchestrated, uh, well-planned hit. That's we went right. out there with pockets full of cash. Bookies aren't allowed to um, back to less than a thousand.
1: Yeah,
0: I think. So we went out there with like just under a thousand in every single pocket. And you, me, and Mel went around to every bookie in the whole of Yarra Valley. and Went bang, bang, <laughs> bang, 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 mate. We we stung them, and oh. it was four hundred and sixty into four hundred and twenty. Into four bucks, into three eighty, and they're yelling, "Sting, sting!" Mm. And uh, they jumped at a dollar eighty, and um, Stephen the- <laughs> Bolted in. That's and right. Stephen Theodore goes, "That's your Christmas turkey, boys." That's what we called the Christmas remember turkey.
1: That? That's what it was the Christmas turkey because it was uh, you early- helped
0: orchestrate straight that sting early
1: early preseason. And
0: one of them knocked us back. One of them knocked us back, and we went, "You weak bastards!" That's you know? right.
1: That's right. It was. Um, yeah, and part. when I was with Melvin. Mel And yourself, and I'm not, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I when you knew you were onto a good thing, I was ready to put the cuffs up, dog. Don't worry about that. I was, I was ready to fight, but um, that was incredible. they oh, no, filthy, mate. That was an incredible day, an incredible day. Now, never feel sorry for a bookie. Oh, no, don't worry about that. I've put a couple through school, um, mate. That's uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, their kids have had uh, educations at Melbourne Grammar.
0: Uh, <laughs> I mean. The little incident we had during the week with management.
1: Oh, yeah, shit, I forgot to mention that, and I was uh, I was going to end on it. So, thank you very much for reminding me. Now, to those listening, um, Brownie. So, to pay, next week, uh, I've got Geelong captain uh, Joel Selwood coming on, who playing his 300th game this week. I just text Joel. I text you and Joel Brownie within um, thirty seconds of each other. Joel, mate, can I grab you after your three hundredth for a podcast? No worries, X. Let me know what suits you best. Thanks, Joel. I text you, Brownie, and you go. Um, I said, "Dog, can I grab you for a, a podcast? Love to have you on." La da da, da da da, and you say, "Yeah, mate. No worries. Uh, cool. We went through it, and yep, no worries, X." Watch your email? And I thought that was a bit strange, Brownie, because unless you were in charge of organising the Zoom, I, I was, had no idea why you'd need my email. Now, I, I'm driving and my, my phone bips on the buzzer thing, so I get to it after I pull over and this is, this is the email I receive. And not a lie, my blood boiled, Brownie. You had me absolutely fizzing. X, <laughs> X, hope all is well. See below from our GM of media in regards to Campbell's appearance on your podcast, it's time for a beer. We've done plenty of work as a management company over the past seven years to ensure Campbell's behaviour slash brand has been uh, removed from the indiscretions of yesteryear. Therefore, we need to ensure that these indiscretions do not resurface and paint Campbell in a bad light. Are you able to share the link for the Zoom chat? If you could also send the questions this afternoon for our review, that would be great. I'll wait to hear from you. Magnificent, isn't it? Mate, my I I could not believe what I just read. I was so angry. <laughs> I like in my mind, in my mind
0: you know me, right? You know me, right? Yeah, you honestly you, think that that was anything other than a stitcher?
1: No, in the early days. Mate, I deleted ten. Oh, you deleted 15 years of our friendship. I was like, this bloke's <laughs> the biggest fraud I've ever been involved in. He's <laughs> a soft cock. What am I dealing with? <laughs> this is bullshit. I text you, Brownie, saying, who the fuck do you think you are? Dua Leaper? Like, I gave you a, a bake. So I've got my response here. So I read my response, dog. Sure, mate.
0: This was all, this was all tongue-in-cheek, so.
1: Morning, Cam. Firstly, I find this the most bizarre request I've ever received. It's inconceivable that Campbell didn't have the intestinal fortitude to approach me directly. As a long-time friend of Campbell, hiding behind management group is pathetic. No wonder he can't find a job. He has zero selling points without his past. Sorry, Doc.
0: No, that's fine, mate. I knew you were tongue-in-cheek.
1: Sorry if it seems like I'm attacking you. It's just he was an average footballer who was a thug. If your management spent as much time seven years ago protecting his career as you do repairing it, we wouldn't have this issue. Sorry again to sound like I'm pissed off, but let's park it. His reputation is irreparable. Before we go, I do need to hear the story about the English Channel, Brownie. You built up you were some long-distance swimmer and that the world was going to revolve around you swimming to the English Channel – Run us through the English Channel attempt.
0: Oh, mate, I just trained for 18 months, put on (laughs) plenty of weight. Um, In fact, I reckon, mate, judging by how you're looking, you could do a double crossing. (laughs) 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 Um, And uh, we had a magnificent day to start with. Yeah, six and a half hours, flat, pristine. Um, I I did the rotto swim uh, in the lead up to with your wife. yes. He beat me by about three hours. <laughs> we both ended up. We both ended up at rotness. So the, the rotness
1: swim. No, no. I remember you telling me the Rottenness swim when uh, you were getting something to eat or drink, and a boat came up to you and goes something like, "How are you going?" You go, "Yeah, good, mate." He goes, "See that boy there? You got thirty minutes to get there. I'm pulling you out of the water. You going that slow?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. They wanted to finish it up, um, and then mate, then we just got hit by like yeah a, a pretty pretty big storm. So. Um, I swam for another three and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, so the not nine and a half hour mark boat captain um, abandoned the swim and uh, I was still in the same spot that I was at the six hour mark. So I hadn't yeah. actually moved forward. Yeah, three hours on the so, spot. Um, I was swimming on the same spot, man, oblivious. I thought I was absolutely <laughs> flying. <laughs> I'd stop, I'd look up and I'd think, you know, that Calais France <laughs> yeah. was getting closer yeah. and here I am, I going go backwards. So, um <laughs> Oh. Unfortunately, uh that was the channel attempt and um, it, gra- it gave great fodder to uh, the Triple M boys and, oh, uh, oh, and oh. everyone that was watching it and tracking it around the, <laughs> the country because they loved to see me not make it. But, Thanks, oh, Campbell Brown. You've been
1: work. a star, mate. You've been a close friend, not only in my personal life, but the mentor you were to me at the footy club was a major reason why I was able to become a premiership player. Uh, you were more of a, a stick as opposed to the carrot sort of person but mate what you did for me and a couple others at Hawthorne uh, something I won't be able to repay you for but thank you very much Uh, your story's been colourful and I really enjoyed it